Well, good morning. I'm here because Tom is not. I've been preparing for several months now, um, asking Tom every week, this week, next week. I came in on Wednesday of this week, and Tom says, no, I think I got this week. And then the next, last Thursday night at 10 o'clock, I get a text, you're on, your water broke. So ready or not, um, here I am. Uh, a few months ago, Neil, at our elder meeting, you know, as we were preparing for his sabbatical, was asking some of the elders to help teach over the summer, and I volunteered. Um, I said, I'll do a two-week series at the end of the summer when Tom's and Aaron are having their baby, or Aaron having her baby, Tom being daddy. Um, and remember when before Neil left, he did a four-week series on the book of Jude. Good job. You remember. Remember the song. Hey, Jude. I was tempted to do a series on Jude 1, verse 6, which talks about the fallen angels. Neil didn't have the nerve to cover that verse. And as he went through, he, in his message, said, you guys can go over that verse on your own. And so I went home because it caught my attention. It talks about fallen angels and, and all this stuff. I said, ooh, that'd be fun to talk about the fallen angels and the return of the Nephilim. And, and then I thought better. Let's just talk about Jesus. That's safe. I'd like to do a two-part series. I'm calling Truth and Freedom. Um, my heart's kept going back to this passage in John, John chapter 8, verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And um, it's a verse that as I started studying over this summer, it just kept unraveling, unraveling, unraveling more and more truth. And uh, I hope that I'm able to communicate what's up here, out there, uh, to you. And if you're listening on a podcast, um, if you don't hear anything else, hear this that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing in Him, you can have life, eternal life, um, through simple faith in Him. That's the punchline. I'm telling you at the get-go. And uh, one of my favorite books is the Gospel of John. Um, And this morning, I'm going to take John 8.32, and we're going to look at John 8 and just kind of unravel who is Jesus, who did the people say He was, and, and we're going to look at this discussion with the Pharisees. Ooh, the Pharisees. And, um, and by the end, hopefully we'll, we'll get a glimpse of who Jesus claimed to be. And uh, as we start this morning, will you just join me in a word of prayer? Father, Lord, we come before you uh, thankful that your word is truth. That you are who you say you are. That you are indeed the light of the world. Lord, I pray this morning you'll speak through me that my words will be your words, and that I'll speak, of, uh, be able to communicate clearly the truth of your word this morning, and that those here and those listening uh, through our website will be blessed because your word is true. So we give this morning uh, to you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, some of you may or may not know, my day job is a principal here at Stony Brook Christian School. I'm the junior high principal, I'm starting my 18th year, and uh, besides giving kids a great education, my passion, the reason I do what I do, um, is so that kids would graduate with a love for Jesus Christ. 
and desire to serve him in their life. My personal story is I was 12 years old. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I remember accepting Christ as four and believing him as my savior, but I was 12 when light bulbs started going off. And my faith became real to me. I knew I was already going to heaven, uh, but I was 12 when that light bulb went off and, and it made sense who Jesus was. It wasn't because I went to church. It wasn't because my mom was a Christian. It was because Jesus was my savior and he wanted a personal relationship with me. And as we begin this morning and dig into John, you know, there's one question we all have to answer is who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Was he just a good teacher? Um, Was he just a man? Or was he truly the son of the living God? And did he truly have the words of eternal life? I want to show a video clip here, and I I want to preface it. It's a little edgy. Um, It's on the streets of New York where these people went and asked the people on the street, who is Jesus? And I kind of want to set the tone. Um, If you open your Bibles real quick, uh, and just keep it in John, we're going to be going through almost the whole book this morning, if I can, in a half hour or so. Um, Just as a way of preface, I want to read the prelude to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, to kind of set the scene for this video you're going to watch. As you're turning there, last week, or the last few weeks, Tom's been preaching on happiness. And the impression I left last week was, we serve a huge God, bigger than we can even comprehend or fathom. And he hinted at John 1 as he closed his sermon last week, that that God, that massive God that we can't comprehend, became flesh and dwelt among us. And let's read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Can you stand with me? Um, We're going to be reading a lot of scripture this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and with Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You may be seated. I want to show a video clip. You know, Scripture teaches that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the question we all have to answer is, what's your response to the Word? Who is Jesus? Well, here's who the world says he is. White guy with a beard? Oh my God, you are! You're Jesus Christ! He died for our sins so that we could be saved. And 
religion, and it means we get up as much as we want, and as long as we are truly sorry, then we're saved. A white guy looks like he's from the 60s. A reason to believe and to continue on in your life and your journey. Not that long here to be showing all those pictures. Jesus was just a story made up by someone. Could have been probably a, a, a real person. It's something special, but uh, not, not not like the story says. I'm actually glad you're all here tonight. I want to tell you that one of you will betray me. Nah, just kidding. Ah, he's doing that thing he did in this story. Jesus, friend of mine from Puerto Rico. I don't know. I uh, I don't know Jesus very well. So Jesus. Like Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Definitely not the guy who cuts my lawn. Dear Tanya, for Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. Yes, there's definitely something special about Jesus. The same things that are special about me and you and, well, everybody. Definitely good morals and beliefs, and um, possibly had some special gift. Oh my gosh! It's, it's Jesus! And his best pal, Peter! Oh, 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 wow! Who do you say Jesus is? He's really important because his birthday's coming up. People believe in Jesus, he's your savior, he's number one. Everyone is giddy with anticipation for Jesus to come out because, as we all know, if Jesus comes out of his house and is not scared by his shadow, it means the next thousand years will be full of peace and love. So he's just really chill. I think he even smoked some pot, so I love Jesus even more. He seems like a kind of Gandhi-type guy. Some superpower. I just don't know. I, I believe in him, him so. <laughs> uh, he was Jewish. Look, I think he's inspiring for a lot of people, so that's really cool to me. God bless him. <laughs> a make-believe story that's got blown out of proportion. You don't know whether to laugh or cry after watching something like that. I apologize for one part. I told you to be a little edgy. But the point is clear. The world knows the name Jesus. They don't know Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, isn't it? Um, who is Jesus Christ? The thing we hold most precious and dear, the truth, in our society, in our TV, in our movies. The name of Jesus is mocked and ridiculed. Um, last year I read a book, um, last summer. It's called The Jesus Survey uh, by... Mike Napa, and he interviewed hundreds of teenagers, Christian teenagers at Christian camps. And these are teenagers who um, are church kids. This isn't the streets of New York. This is our youth groups going to camp, people who say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And he interviewed them a series of questions on, well, who is Jesus? What do you really believe about Jesus? And there was a series of about 26 questions, and I just want to share a few of them with you this morning, just to give you a glimpse. Um, the first question he asked was, uh, or not the first, but the first one I'm sharing with you. Is the Bible 100% accurate, historically, factually, and theologically, and therefore completely trustworthy in what it says about Jesus? 
And this might be hard to see, uh, but you'll notice of these Christian teenagers, only 45% strongly agreed that the Bible is 100% accurate in what it teaches about Jesus Christ. That's staggering to me. You know, you would assume, and they also interviewed the youth pastors going in to what do you think your kids are going to say? And of course, they, they all say, well, of course my kids believe the Bible is 100% accurate. Um, next question. The Bible, though gener- gener- generally accurate, contains some widely acknowledged errors and can't be completely trusted in everything it says about Jesus. Look at that. Only 39% strongly agree, disagree with that statement. Again, this isn't the streets of New York. These are our church Christian kids. Next, other highly regarded religious books, such as the Quran or the Book of Mormon, are just as important as the Bible in teaching people about who Jesus really was. Only 30% strongly disagree with that. Next, Jesus, in some mysterious way, is both the Son of God and God himself. Only 56% of our church youth really believe that Jesus was both the Son of God and God. Next, kind of the same question in a a different way. Jesus was a good man, a righteous teacher, and a noble person, but he was not God. Only 42% strongly disagree with that statement. This gets right to it. Christian teens' opinions about the divinity of Christ. Just right out there. Is Jesus God? Of all the Christian teenagers at these camps from our churches, only 34% strongly believed that Jesus is God. 25% said Jesus might be God, but he might not be. 30%, I don't know. I haven't decided if Jesus is God or not. And 11% said Jesus is not God. Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and other great religious leaders all have equal standing in leading people to heaven. This splits it between the girls and guys that responded, but either 45 or 50% only strongly disagreed with that statement. Another question, I'm 100% certain that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Only 56% of these Christian youth at, at these camps could say for sure that, yeah, Jesus is the only way. And here's the kicker, which gets me to my message this morning. I study the Bible daily. Only 5% of these youth. And you wonder why there's a disconnect between their knowledge of Jesus and what they really believe about him. John 8.32 says, or 30 through 32, into the, uh, the Jews that believed in him. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, truth, the knowledge of the truth of God, comes from abiding in his word. And my concern is that our young people in our churches and in our schools, and even us as adults, 
have to answer that question, who is Jesus Christ? And that when you try to answer things on your own or have your own opinions about him without going to God's word, boy, are we lost and lack confidence in who Jesus really is. So with that, let's dig in to John chapter 8. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8. I think you've got a note sheet. Um, and let's start unraveling who Jesus said he was. Here's the scene. Jesus is teaching in the temple. The first part of chapter 8 uh, was the story um, with a woman caught in adultery. And then we get to verse 12. I'm going to read through this passage and we'll go back and, and uh, shed some insight here. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you don't know where I came from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid a hand on him for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself because he says, Where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? I want to take you a journey back to the first century right now. 
You know, we as Christians today, we're anticipating the second coming of Christ. In this passage, the Jews were anticipating the first coming of their Messiah, their Christ. And this big God that Tom talked about the last few weeks became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, how many of you watched the Zimmerman trial this summer? Okay, nobody. Two. I was captivated uh, by our legal system. And that trial was just a mess all around. But the legal system captured me. The calling of witnesses and the testimonies um, and, and the swearing in and, and, and whatnot. And uh, in a similar way this morning, you know, I'm not putting Jesus on trial, but more just giving evidence for who he claimed to be and calling witnesses who testified to Jesus. You know, look back at verse 13. The Pharisee said, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. You can't testify of yourself. And Jesus said, even if, (laughs) even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. After all, he's God. He knows who he is. He knows where he's from. Uh, They didn't. Even if. I want to go through, on your outline, I have a bunch of blanks. I don't know why I have blanks. I guess it's, there's nothing spectacular in it, just, I guess, to keep you awake and keep you following along. But I want to go through and just kind of list and walk through John of all the people and all the elements of different facets of, of things and people that testified that Jesus is the Christ. And so the first blank um, there, and if you want to follow along with me, I'm just going to thumb through the Gospel of John real quick. The first blank is people. The people testified that Jesus is the Christ. And keep in mind, this is just even if. Jesus doesn't need people to testify of who he is. He is God. But look back in John chapter 1, verse 29. The first testimony is that of John the Baptist. John 1, 29, the next day Jesus saw him coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jump down to verse 34. This is still John the Baptist. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Staying in John chapter 1, the next witness, the next testimony. Verse 41. Andrew found his uh, brother Simon and he told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. See, this first generation, or the the peoples um, that lived in the first century here, they're anticipating the Messiah. And they're saying, we found him. We have found the Christ. Verse 45, Philip tells Nathanael, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 49 of chapter 1, Nathanael tells Jesus, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nicodemus. I'm not sure if he's a believer yet at this time, but in chapter 3, verse 2, at least he admits, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher that's come from God, for no one can do these signs unless... God is with him. 
And we know the famous passage in John chapter 3. John chapter 4, Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well. Then she goes back to her village. And down at uh, chapter 4, verse 42. And now the crowd, the Samaritans, said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Jump down to verse 53. This is the nobleman um, who Jesus healed his son. And the nobleman believes, he and his whole household. Little side note as we're going through these witnesses, just the way John is outlined. Um, you know, in, in Acts chapter 1, where he says, you'll be my witnesses in uh, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The pattern here in John is, is, is the same as people come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. First with the Jews. And then with the Samaritans. And then the nobleman represents the ends of the earth, the Gentiles. All witnesses to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. John chapter 6, verse 68 and 69. And this is after many people left Christ Jesus turned to his twelve and said, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have also come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it goes on and on. Over 20 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks and people believed. Jesus speaks and people believed. People believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus has the words of eternal life. John chapter 9, the blind man. Verse 35, when Jesus found out that the blind man had been cast out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him there. People testified to who Jesus was. Jesus is indeed the Christ. But remember, this is even if. Jesus doesn't need their testimony. Helps us. Do you guys know people in your world? Think about when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Was it because of someone else's testimony? Testimonies are important. Your life is a testimony. These people in the first century testified that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, in John 4, 48, um, actually the whole reason John wrote the Gospel of John was because of his signs. Christ's signs, and that's the second blank there. His works, his miracles testify to who Jesus is. John 4, 48 says, so Jesus again came to Cana, and oh, that's the wrong verse, that's 46. Um, Jesus said to them, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the whole reason John wrote the Gospel of John, John 20, the theme verse of John, John 20, 30, and 31, uh, John writes, And truly, Jesus did 
many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And I believe he wrote seven or eight specific signs in the Gospel of John. But he wrote these, verse 31, that these are written that you may believe, believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the result, and that by believing you may have life in his name. His signs testify to who Jesus is. When our passes in John 8, Jesus said, well, my father testifies of me. You might remember that's the next blank. His father testified at his baptism. The clouds opened up. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Mount of Transfiguration, uh, Moses and Elijah appear. And the voice from heaven come. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And in a few other places, we physically, verbally hear the father testify to his son. The Holy Spirit testifies to who Christ is. Later in John, in John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus tells his disciples, but when the helper comes, the spirit of truth, he will testify of me. The next blank, the scriptures themselves testify. In John chapter 5 is another lengthy discussion that Jesus has with his disciples or with the Pharisees. And in that passage, he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And that's a whole other series of message. Just looking in the Old Testament of all the passages that testify that Jesus is indeed the Christ. Ready for the next one? Flip over real quick. We're going to leave the Gospel of John. Go over to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4. The demons testify that Jesus is the Christ. John or Luke chapter 4, verse 33 through 34. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of, un- of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Look down to verse 41 of the same chapter. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, Jesus, rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. Even the demons know who Jesus is truly is and if that doesn't do it Luke 1940 when Jesus was coming in on the triumphal entry and the people were crying out Hosanna Hosanna and they were telling Jesus to make these people stop shouting out he tells them I tell you that if these should keep silent the stones would immediately start crying out God's creation testifies of who Jesus Christ is the rocks would cry out People, signs, Father, the Spirit, the demons, the scriptures, the rocks, all testify to who Jesus Christ is. This is just even if. Even if. Jesus is God. I want to look briefly at verse 20. This is more of a side. 
I'm back in John chapter 8, by the way. It says, Jesus uh, spoke in the treasury. And I thought being the church treasurer and all, that was just pretty cool. And actually, you know, as I was studying this summer, and I'd be out in my backyard reading, spending just every morning, I'd just go back and read John chapter 8 and John chapter 8, and just different things would just start popping out. And I thought that was just interesting, the treasury. So I'd go and, what, what is the treasury? You know, and actually it's the place in the temple, and it's a whole other study, but um, I encourage you, go home and just look at where Jesus taught in the temple and, and where he spent his time. And most of the time he'd just, he'd just be sitting back observing people. Or it'd be turning over the money tables. Or it'd be teaching. That's where Jesus hung out. It was his father's house, after all. He was in the temple, in the treasury, teaching. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. See, Jesus knows who he is. (laughs) He came on a mission. He knew exactly why he came. He knew he had to be lifted up. He knew he was God. He knew we were sinners in need of a Savior. But at this point, his hour had not yet come. And if you study John, that's another great study. Several times, his hour had not yet come. They didn't lay hands on him. His hour had not yet come. And when you get to chapter 12, right after he raises Lazarus from the dead, is the first time he says, my hour has come. And then starts that last week of his, of his ministry here on earth. But I thought that was cool that he taught in the treasury. John 8, verse 25. So he's having this dialogue with the Pharisees. First, the Pharisees go, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Well, his witness is true. And here's all the people that do bear witness of him. Um, In verse 25, they said to him, well, who are you? Who are you? And his response is, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. And so we've looked at everybody else's testimony, but what did Jesus Christ say about himself? Again, let's thumb through the Gospel of John. And let's just hear what, what Jesus has already said about himself up to this point. Was he just a man? Was he just a good teacher? Or is he truly the Son of God? And John one fifty one is where he starts off here with the red wording here. Jesus told Nathanael, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus claims to be the Son of Man. John 3, I won't read the whole passage, but you know it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, and we sing all these songs about God's love, and that's what this is all about. God so loved the world that he sent his Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God and claiming to have words of eternal life. John 4, going back to the conversation with the woman at the well. Jesus said, If you knew who it was, if you knew the gift of God and who it um, is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And jumping down to verse 25 of chapter 4, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus verbally claims to be the Christ. 
John 5.24 Most surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and that shall not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. John 6, 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47 of chapter 6. Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Another study. All the I am statements in John John eleven twenty five through 27 I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Back to our passage in John 8. Jesus, they said to him, Who are you? Just who I've been saying from the beginning. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. I have the words of eternal life. Believe in me, and even though you may die, you shall live. Well, of course, the Pharisees don't get this. They've been blinded to the truth, in part to fulfill prophecy. But Jesus isn't hiding um, who he is. There's this, I'm fascinated with the statement, I am. Go back to verse 24. Jesus had told them, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. How many of your Bibles that word he is italicized? I learned something brand new a couple weeks ago. I think I knew it, but I forgot. Do you know what that italics means? It means that that word is not in the original Greek. It's not there. It's put there to help us in English understand how it really reads is that for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That phrase I am in, in the original Greek is ego imi. I asked Tom this after church last week. and He's the Greek guy in Hebrew and everything else. Um, I asked him, Tom, what, how do you say I am in Greek? Oh, it's ego imi. And then last week at the... Um, or a couple weeks ago at Dickfoot's, um, no, it was in church. He was in the office. They were doing their Greek little Bible study with the ladies in the office, and Dickfoot was there. And, and I asked him, all right, I got one for you. Ego Amy. Oh, I am. I exist. I mean, he just has Greek memorized. And if you're not coming on Tuesday nights, you need to. It is just a great Bible doctrines, Bible study. But if you do not believe that I am... Remember Exodus 3.14 when Moses, God was telling Moses, who, to, who shall I say sent me? Tell him I am who I am. I am has sent you. There's a cool process here in John chapter 8. He tells them, for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. 
Verse 28, he tells them, when you lift the Son of Man, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am Ego Amy. By the end of this chapter, chapter 8, and we're not going to go through the, the entire passage, but at the end of this conversation with the Pharisees, in verses uh, 56 through 58, he's talking about Abraham. And Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then the Jews said to him, You're not even 50 years old yet, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, Ego Amy, I am. Same phrase, exact same wording. And what was their response? <laughs> they took up stones to throw at him. Of course, Jesus got away because his time had not yet come. Most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We sing that song this morning. I am the great I am. I'm not. He is. Fast forward to John 18. I just think this stuff is so cool. John 18, Jesus is going to be arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. And the chief priests and the Pharisees and the officers, they come with their lanterns, torches, and weapons. In verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things and that which would come upon him, went forward to them and said, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, I am. Verse 6, Now when he said to them, I am, what happens? They drew back. And fell to the ground. This is my men in black scene. I'm not going to explain what men in black is. Other than to say. Aliens. And only certain people can see him. And when people do see him. The men in black people do this little beep. You know and refresh their memory. So that they can't. They don't remember what they just saw. And, and there's no aliens on earth. Dumb concept. I'm almost. Shouldn't even compare these two things. Jesus is in the garden. They come up to arrest him. Who are you looking for? Jesus is Nazareth. And for a moment, Jesus gave him a glimpse of who he truly is and who he has been all along. He says, I am. And they fell back. And they fell to the ground. What an awesome scene that must have been. And then, beep erase what they just saw and they get up and again he asked them whom are you seeking Jesus of Nazareth I told you that I am therefore and then they go on and arrest him but for that moment they got a glimpse of who Jesus truly is the God of the universe the creator of the world became flesh and dwelt among us Who is he? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, I'm not going to take the time to explain the Pharisees' response. 
to this. But I think you know the story. It started way back early in John. They plotted to kill him. Um, The one thing I will point out, in John chapter 9, after the blind man story, and the parents were called to testify to the, was this boy really blind or not? Um, In John 9.22, the parents feared the Jews. Because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. Early church persecution. If anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. And as you journey through the Gospel of John, his time had not yet come, and they were trying to get him. But then that moment in John 18, I am, and they fall to the ground. You know the rest of the story. Well, let me wrap this up. I've been all over the place this morning. But John 8, 30 to 32. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. What I like to put in there is that, And you shall know that I am he. That's what the truth is in this passage. The truth is that Jesus is the Christ. And you shall know that I am he, and I will make you free. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. And if you abide in his word, this word, you can be assured of who Christ is. This isn't my word, it's his word. You heard this morning who Jesus said he claimed to be. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a man. He claims to be the very Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you believe this? I started this morning with with a question. Who is Jesus? And I want to finish it by asking, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he your Savior? Is he just a man? Is he Christ? Do you believe he's the only way? (laughs) Do you believe this word is true? You've heard the testimony. You want eternal life. It's simple. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's it. No strings attached. You heard this morning the testimony. I believe he's the Christ. He is the Christ. He is the Christ. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is indeed the Christ? If so, you have life. You've gone from darkness into light. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Free from what? That's next week. (laughs) This morning I established the truth. And what freedom do we have in that truth? I encourage you to come back next week, and uh, we'll talk all about it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is truth. Jesus prayed before he left this earth. Lord, sanctify them. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. Lord, we cling to this word. May it enlighten us. May it be our path. May it give us assurance. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He is the great I am. He is the creator of the universe. 
He's my Savior. Lord, we thank you for that truth and that we have life in his name simply, simply by believing in him. Lord, I pray if there's someone in this room this morning or someone listening that hasn't decided to believe that Jesus is indeed the Christ, that you will just work on their hearts. They'll know without a shadow of a doubt that you are who you claim to be and that you will give them life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.